it is good to be back. We are starting a brand new series today called You Are More. You can see the hashtag if you want to dialogue about that on social media. And I want to give you an idea of what we're going to be talking about as we kind of launch into this uh, four-week series. Uh, I believe, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God has the capacity to do something supernatural in your life with regard to setting you free from your past. And uh, I believe just as a result of what people have said to me after the first service, I believe that, that there is something significant that can happen in your life, and that's my prayer. The truth is that so many of us are held in bondage. We're held hostage by the things that have happened in our past. And so over the next several weeks, we're just going gonna, gonna to cover all of this. Now, a lot of us have been betrayed, we've been lied to, we've been hurt by someone, and we're still carrying the bitterness and the resentment and the unforgiveness. And so next week, we're going to talk about why, biblically speaking, it's so important for us to forgive. And it's easy to see ourselves as the victims when the, the hurt comes our direction, but it's a little more difficult to own up to our own responsibilities when we've been the one who's done the offending, right? And so the following week, we're going to talk about how to take responsibility for our own actions, owning our own failures in relationships, and we're going to talk about how we can initiate restoration in relationships. And then the final week, we're just going to talk about how do we get past our own failures and mistakes, How do we overcome our sinfulness that happened in our past? Maybe it's not true about us right now, but it still seems to dog us from decades ago. So many people recognize, they they recognize, yes, God, I know God has forgiven me. But ironically, they haven't forgiven themselves. And they're still kind of dragging, it's like swimming with an anchor. They just can't seem to cut the past loose. So we're going to let the Word of God teach us so that we can stop letting the past define us. Today, I want us to talk about removing the labels that define us. Removing the labels that define us. We want to break these labels that seem to tag us or brand us because so many of us, somewhere in our past, somebody said something about us and it seemed to stick. Or somebody characterized us in a certain way and it seemed to define us. And we've been carrying that all along. Or maybe, maybe there's no other perpetrator. It's it's us ourselves. We've believed a lie about ourselves, and it's continued to define us over the years. We're living under the labels of the past. And I believe God is going to do a work in a number of your hearts and your minds to help you overcome that. So I want to start by, you know, uh, looking at some labels. These are, these are pretty famous labels. I'll give you the, the name, and you give me the title, okay? So we'll start out simple. Attila the... Hun. What's a hun? Anybody know? Yeah, you're, you're good to know it. You're just saying words you don't even know. You need to check into that. All right. Uh, Conan the? Billy the? Okay, not Gillespie. Who said that? We don't, we don't talk about that anymore, okay? We've forgiven him, but we've moved on. Let's not bring that up, okay? And then there's uh, Buffy the? Yes, I don't know what you said over here, but it was wrong, okay? (laughs) It's Vampire Slayer. Get your zombies and vampire stuff together, will you? And then uh, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, that's for the kids right there. Several years ago, we had this staff activity where we had a, a sheet of paper that had printed on the top 
every staff member's name. And that, that, that paper was taped to our back. And then for about 10 minutes, we just walked around with a Sharpie and we wrote down these, these titles or these characteristics of people who were on our staff. And these were encouraging characteristics. And when the exercise was finished, we took the paper off our back and we just, we just read all the things that our teammates wrote about us. It was, a, it was a very powerful moment for me, I think for the whole staff, but it, for me in particular, that was probably seven or eight, maybe nine years ago, and I still have that on the bulletin board in my office, and I look at it periodically to remind myself that at one point, people thought that about me. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be funny, but I appreciate it. If I look back at my life, though, not everything is that encouraging. Maybe you know the feeling. One of the negative labels that I've carried for a number of years was Monty the Terrified. Like Conan the Barbarian or Attila the Hun, Monty the Terrified was who I saw myself as. Early on in life, I realized that I was absolutely terrified to speak in front of any size group of people. I had to give a speech in the fourth grade, and I was all prepared. I had it all memorized. I got up to speak like, you know, I was just going to do like I had practiced at home, and I froze. I totally was, I, I couldn't speak a word. And what may have probably only been a minute or two felt like an hour. And then... I was finally able to make noise, but all, the only noise I could make was me crying, which only made it even worse. You can only imagine. I was completely and thoroughly humiliated. This happened to me every time I had to stand up in front of any size group of people and speak. In my mind, when it came to public speaking, I was Monty the Terrified. So what's the negative label that has followed you through life? If you're taking notes, you'll notice there's a, there's a line on your outline. I hope you're courageous enough to write it down there. It might be that you were a doormat. You, you know how that is. You were so kind that everybody seemed to kind of take advantage of you or walk all over you. Or maybe you were the lazy or you were the irresponsible or you were the hothead. Or maybe you were the one who was bad with money or you were the party girl or the wild guy. Or maybe you were just the average you know, you weren't really great at anything. You weren't really horrible at anything. You were just kind of average. And that's how people labeled you. None of those labels are really all that encouraging. I want you to take a moment and listen to God's Word through this series. I hope you'll commit to be here all four weeks because I think it's going to layer and you're going to find the greatest value in the sum total of all four of these. I want you to listen to God's word through this series through the lens of any negative title that you've been branded with. And I want you to think about it because here's what I hope you will hear. God's power is more influential than your past. God's truth about you is bigger than any current truth that may be existing in your life right now. In fact, if you own a label that truthfully you deserve, I mean, it, it defines you. It really, truthfully, it's not becoming, but it's true about you. In many ways, this thing is as accurate a title as there is. I want you to understand that what's true about you today doesn't have to be true about you moving forward. As bad as that title might be, 
God can redeem it and transform you. I believe that the power of God is going to speak to a number of you this morning. And he's going to take what is and make it no longer true. God, through the power of his son, Jesus Christ, can break these labels that have branded you. And here's how he's going to do it. I've been praying that God would give you a new God-centered view of yourself based on his word. And we're going to start with the, the passages that we're going to use today. The first one is 2 Corinthians 5.17. I love this passage. It says, anyone, anyone who is joined with Christ, anyone, who is that? Anyone means it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or where you've come from or how bad your past was or how true the label is about you. It doesn't matter who you are. If you have surrendered your life to Christ, if you've repented of your sins and submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, then this passage applies to you. Anyone who is joined to Christ is a new being, brand new. The old is gone and the new has come. Where's the old? It's gone. And what happens after it's gone? The new comes. If you're in Christ, all of the old is done away with. It is totally gone. The power of sin that held you back can be broken through the name of Jesus. All of the past has been washed away. The newness of life in Christ is available to you. And you have a new God-centered view of who you are. So in the talk this morning, I want to give you three truths that I think will set you free. I believe these have the capacity to set you free, or at least to give you perspective on how God sees you, to set you free from all these labels that have held you down in the past. The first one is this. If somebody has ever labeled you, if ever given you a name that was unbecoming, I want you to know the first truth is this. God will give you a brand new name. A brand new name. Isaiah 62, 2 says this. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. Many of you, many of you have believed what others have called you in the past. But Isaiah says God will bestow upon you a new name. It's kind of like that middle school girl. You remember when I was, it was called junior high back when I went. But in middle school, that girl, she sits down and she's got her notebook. And on the, on the cover of her little spiral notebook, she writes her first name. And she writes it really beautifully. And then she's going out with this boy. You know, she's going with him. She's not dating him because she's not old enough, but she's going with him. And she writes his last name, Right? And she's just so invigorated by that because it's his last name and it's like they're married. And so she's walking, she's pretending, and she carries that notebook around. It's surrounded with XOXO and little hearts and everything. Why does she do that? Because it means something to her. She's thinking about what it would be like to be married to that knucklehead. Trust me, junior high boys, that's all they are. No offense to any in here, but I raise daughters. I know she should not be that excited about it, but she is. Why? Because because she's got this new name. She's got this new name. God will replace the old title, the old labels, the brandings that are on you with a brand new name. And he's been doing this. We see this all through the ages. Numerous times in scripture, he gave people new names. Let me give you a couple examples. Abram and Sarai were a couple who longed to have 
kids, more than anything else in this life, they longed to have children, and they were well past childbearing years when God said, you know what? You are going to be the parents of many nations. You're going to have so many ancestors, you can't count them. And as a, as a testimony to that, as a, as a commitment to you, I'm going to change your name. You're going to be Abraham and Sarah from now on, which means father and mother of many nations. There was another guy by the name of Jacob. And Jacob's name in the Old Testament meant swindler, trickster, or huckster. I don't know why they would name him that, you know, swindler, trickster, or huckster. But God gave him a new name. It was the name Israel, which meant wrestled with God, because that's what, that's what Jacob did. He wrestled with God. But it also has a second meaning, which means God will prevail. With God, Jacob knew he would prevail. He got a new name. You know, there's another guy in the Old Testament we read about. He's kind of a wimp. I mean, if you read his story, his name was Gideon, and we find him initially. He's in a wine press sifting wheat because he doesn't want the enemy to find him. He's kind of hiding from him. When God says an, sends an angel to deliver a message, this is the message. The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. God is saying to him, you, he called him a mighty warrior. Which, incidentally, God calls me that all the time. I mean, if you saw the, the guns up here, I mean, if you were close enough to see them, you could tell this is a warrior gun right there. And this is not as big, but it's almost there. And <laughs> why are you people laughing? It's not very encouraging, you know? God will give you a new name as well. In fact, I've seen this in my own life in one specific area, a number of areas, but this one really resonated with me because it was a kind of a pivotal point in my life. In 1988, I became the young adults minister at Southland Christian Church, and I had been busy in doing youth ministry, so I hadn't really thought a whole lot about the promotion other than the reality that I was leaving youth ministry, and I, I was excited about working with adults full-time. I'd been doing some uh, ministry with young adults kind of part-time on the side. But this was going to be my regular primary focus, and I was excited about the change. Well, the day came that I was to take on this new role. And I remember sitting in my office that the day before was a simple youth minister's office, and now it was the office of the young adults minister at Southland Christian Church. And I all of a sudden felt like I'd been run over by a speeding train because it was the first time I realized what came with this new title. I was overwhelmed. I really was. I was sitting there thinking, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I have no idea the responsibility of starting this brand new ministry. I had lots to learn. I was starting to feel it. I'm not sure I can even do this. I would soon realize, though, that God had called me to this, and he was going to equip me. He was going to see me through. But I knew I was going to have to grow into my new name. God is going to give you a new name. Some of you, maybe even today. And you may feel unworthy about it. You may say, hey, I'm not good enough, or I'm not there yet. Here's what I want you to understand. God will help you grow into your new name. He's going to help you. Now, some of you, you're going to be given the name forgiven because you've never been forgiven before. You've never taken that step of faith. And when you take that step of faith to make Jesus the Lord of your life, he's going to give you the name of forgiven. Some of you have been forgiven, but you haven't live, li been living like it. And he wants to remind you the name that he had given you before. You're forgiven. All your sins 
are washed away. You may not feel forgiven. You may not feel it. But that doesn't mean it's not true. You're going to have to grow into this position through Jesus. Some of you, you're going to be given the name Overcomer. For some reason, your whole life, people have said you're not going to ever overcome that. Maybe it was the fact that your parents abandoned you or your mother abandoned you. Or maybe you have this addiction and you've struggled your whole life with it. And people say you're never going to overcome it. But God is saying you're an overcomer through the power of my son Jesus Christ. And you're going to grow into that name. There's a lot of moms in this place. And one of the things I've I've been learning, or I'm not, I've never been a mother. I, uh, I've been called that on occasion. Uh, but the, the truth is, sorry about that. I just, I, I know I should use more discretion sometimes. I apologize. Some of you, um, I, I don't know what it's like to be a mom. But I do know that there is a lot of pressure. You, you go through life, you're doing everything you can. Some of you are working full-time outside the home. You're spinning all these plates. You want to disciple your kids. You feel like you're failing. You go on Instagram and Pinterest and, and Facebook, and you see all these people in there. This is their highlight reel, right? And so they look like they're knocking it out of the park, and it just makes you feel like you're a failure. And I'm telling you that some of you, God wants to give you a new name. Spiritual mom. You have what it takes. You say, no, I don't. But through the power of Jesus, you can. You may not see it happening, but you'll grow into that. God is going to call many of you in this place spiritual leader. You're going to be the spiritual leader in your home. Or some of you are going to lead teenagers in the movement or, or children in the, uh, in the rock. Or some of you are going to lead a life group or a D group. And some of you are going to be the spiritual leader in your, your office or the place where you work. You're going to be spiritual leader. That's your name. And I know whenever you bring that up, you say, oh no, I'm still too unholy. Monty, if you knew me, you would know that's, uh, that's not my name. But God's going to give you this new name, and with it comes the power to change to live into that, to grow into that name. Many of you have been labeled by things in the past. Don't believe what others have said about you. Believe that you are who God says you are. And our God will bestow upon you a new name. So God gives us a brand new name. The second truth is that God will give us a brand new purpose. A brand new purpose. With your name comes a new purpose. And you can see God do this over and over again in the Bible. One of the best examples is a guy by the name of Simon. Now, Simon could easily have been labeled as unpredictable or undependable or wishy-washy. Jesus meets Simon and he says this to him. He says, you've been fishing for fish your whole life. Almost your entire life you've been fishing for fish. But I'm telling you, for the rest of your life, you're going to fish for people. In other words, you're going to be a world changer. You're going to be an evangelist. I'm going to take you and give you this new purpose, and you're going to do things that you never thought were possible. So Jesus has this conversation one day with his disciples. It's in Matthew, the 16th chapter. And listen to the dialogue. Listen to what happens here. He says this, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? 
Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus told Simon, I'm giving you a new name. From this point forward, you're going to be Peter, which means rock. You're no longer undependable or wishy-washy. Instead, you are a rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, those of you that know the story of Peter, let me ask you this question. From this point forward, was Peter a rock all the time? No, not even close. I mean, this guy, he he messed up again and again. And as he was growing, though, he was growing into this new name, The Rock. He was growing into this new purpose. In fact, Peter actually denied Jesus three times. You probably know the story during Jesus' trial. He denied him three times. But after the resurrection, Jesus sought him out and graciously forgave him. And he restored him. And basically he said, now, Peter, go and do what I created you to do. And on Pentecost, guess who God chose to be the guest speaker that day? Peter the Rock. Because Peter was the one who knew what it was like to fail and then to be forgiven. He was the one who was best qualified to stand up and say, sinners, repent and turn to Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And do you know that on that day, 3,000 people surrendered their lives and were baptized into Christ because of Peter? That was the day the church, the New Testament church, was born. God's going to give many of you, like Peter, a new name. And with that new name comes a new purpose. And you will grow into that new purpose. And here's the best news. I want you to take whatever negative brand that's been associated with your name, take it and understand that with the power of Christ, out of the greatness, out of the greatest weakness of your past... God can raise up the greatest strength of your future. Out of the greatest weakness, God can raise up the greatest strength. Monty the Terrified became Monty the Preacher. You should ask my elementary teachers, my junior high teachers, if they thought that was ever possible. Monty, the guy who was scared to speak in front of 15 or 20 people, is now Monty the Preacher, who speaks every week to hundreds and hundreds of people. Out of our greatest weakness, God can birth our greatest strength. If God will take my greatest weakness and give me a new name and a new purpose, I promise you then, he wants to do the same for you. Don't let the labels of the past to define you. You are not what others say about you. They're not, you're not what they say you are. You are not the result of your past because God will give you a new name. And he'll give you a new purpose. And third, the third truth is God will give you a brand new future. You know, so many people are so pessimistic, pessimistic about their future. They say, my life is going nowhere. It's never going to be this or that. I'm never going to be happy or I'm always going to be alone. I'm always going to be miserable. I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm always going to have this health issue I have to deal with. And on and on it goes. But listen, listen. Don't you dare insult God with faithlessness about your future. 
Because here's what he says about your future. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You know, maybe you've been labeled. You've worn the label. You're always a bridesmaid, never a bride. And here you are, you're 28 or you're 33, and you're thinking, I'm never going to find a good man. They're all taken, or only jerks are left. And maybe that is your perspective. I don't think that that's true. Or maybe you're married, and you're thinking, I'm never going to have a good marriage. I'm married to this knucklehead over here, and this guy's never going to come to Christ. Or I'm married to her, and all it is is nag, nag, nag. Or maybe you're thinking, I'm always going to be stuck in this lame job. I just hate it. Or I've got this addiction. I just, I've, always got, I've always had it. I'm always going to have it. I just can't overcome it. And on and on and on it goes. You think your future is already mapped out. Our greatest weakness, I believe God can raise up one of your greatest strengths. Adam Smith is a, a really good friend of mine here at Northeast, and he and I could not be more different. I'm an extrovert, and he's a painful introvert, and yet we've become great friends from the early days of my coming here. He is a remarkable guy, remarkable. He grew up in dysfunction. His life could easily be described by one word, tough. It was just tough. Um, he dealt with everything. And as tough as he is today, he, he went through it all and he was toughened up. He, he was a fighter. And I, when I say fighter, I mean physically. He was literally a fighter. He went through divorce. He went through financial ruin, totally lost everything. He even knew the inside of a jail cell on a few occasions. He had experience in all these areas. He easily could have thrown in the towel on more than one occasion. But instead, he trusted that God had something better for him. He gave him a brand new name, brand new purpose, and a brand new future. And today, Adam is the director of the Nehemiah House, which is a program, if you're not familiar with it, that helps guys who need help breaking free from the grip of addiction and, and making the transition out of jail and criminal behavior and all kinds of bad decisions. And these guys are always over here every Sunday, faithfully, and I'm so proud of, I'm proud of this whole group, but I'm so proud of Adam. He's the perfect guy to help these guys. God took his greatest weakness. Yeah. God was able to take his greatest weakness and turn it into a strength. One of the best stories in all of the Bible is about a lady who probably was labeled with the worst label that you could imagine. Her name is mentioned eight times in the Bible, and six of those times she has this neg negative label that's attached to her name. She's known as Rahab the prostitute, or some of your translation may say Rahab the harlot. And her label was, uh, tragically, it was true about her. She was a prostitute. There were two kinds of prostitutes in that, in that day. The first one was the temple prostitutes, which if you could say it this way, they were the more respectable of the prostitutes, if you could say it that way. And then there was the kind that would be on the street and they get arrested by the cops. Rahab was the second kind. She lived on the lowest rung of society's pecking order. And you can only imagine what all of that would do to someone emotionally. She probably felt like, I'm just used goods. I'm only good for one thing. There's never going to be anybody to love me in this life. I'm never going to have a marriage, at least not a good marriage. And, and I doubt that God 
even loves me. But something happened. She started to hear stories about the God of Israel. And there was this moving verse in Joshua, the second chapter, verse 11, that says that her heart melted as she heard these stories. And maybe that's some of you in here today. You don't really know God. I mean, you, you, you say you believe in a God or some version of God, but you don't know him personally. But your heart's starting to move. You can feel it. There's a stirring in there. Maybe it's even melting as you hear about the goodness and the love that God has for you. Well, Rahab, she had these two spies from Israel that come to her place. And she did something that was really amazing. She risked her life for them. Literally, she could have died had she been caught doing this, but she hid the spies, and most likely she did it not just to preserve their lives or to save them, but in an effort to get to know their God better. And so this prostitute, this streetwalker, became in many ways not just the savior for these two spies, but the savior for all other people around her as well. You see, when she got to know God, she became a new person. She was transformed. She was forgiven. And God did what no one else could ever have thought even possible for her. God brought a God-fearing man into her life. His name was Salmon. And she had a great marriage from that point forward. When nobody else thought any of that would ever have been possible, God did it. You know, like a lot of you, you feel this burden in your life. I'm never going to be this. I'm always going to be that. It's always going to be that way. I'm never, it's never going to change. And here's this label that follows you around, but God can change it. He can. If Rahab's life is any example at all, listen to what happened to her. God did through Rahab the prostitute what nobody thought would happen, and it went far beyond just bringing a godly man into her life so that she would have a happy marriage. You see, she had a son as a result of her and Salmon's marriage, and then she had a grandson and a great-grandson, and then she had a great-great-great-great-great-grandson, five greats, and his name was Jesus. Who would have thought? The Son of God born to take away the sins of the world, came out of Rahab the prostitute. She was one of his grandmothers. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Don't you dare let anyone put you in a box and then label you. You are not what anyone says about you, but the power of Jesus Through the power of Jesus, you can stop allowing your past to define you. God will give you a new name. You're not what others called you, not even what you call yourself. God will give you a new purpose, and you'll grow into your new name and your new purpose. You're not there yet, but you will grow into it. And then he will give you a new future. And you can glorify him through your greatest weakness because out of that, God will raise up your greatest strength you'll never be the same. That which held you back in the past, I declare by the name of Jesus that it is powerless to define you any longer. Because as Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new person. The old is gone and behold, your new life has begun. Let's pray. 
Lord, I thank you for this promise that you take all the old, all the failure, all the sin, all the wreckage of our lives, and you transform us. God, I pray in the name of your risen son, Jesus Christ, that your power would be present today for those who need a new name and a new purpose and a new future. God, I pray that they would give all those labels back to you. Everything that has branded them, has labeled them, the titles that are negative and critical, that they would give all those to you. And that, God, you would transform them. Out of their weakness, you would raise up great strength. I pray for you. If that's you today, I ask you that you just ask the Lord that you would ask him to help you overcome the things that have held you back in the past. Maybe for you, it's taking that first step of faith. God, we know that without Jesus, we're all sinners. We can't overcome sin on our own. And we need Jesus. He saves, he forgives, he transforms. Lord, I pray for those that need to take that step to make him Lord of their life. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new person. The old is gone, the new has come. Lord, that can be true for every person in here today. The old can be washed away through a relationship with Jesus and a new, the new can come. God, I pray that that would be the case for everyone who needs you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together, let's worship our King.